0: Hey Creighton fans, thanks for tuning in again. Uh, this is Matt DeMarinas from White and Blue Review, I'm sitting here with Johnny Atala from the Omaha World-Herald in the underbelly of the CHI Health Center after Creighton's 79-67 win over Memphis uh, to advance to the NIT quarterfinals uh, where they await the winner of Nebraska TCU on Sunday, right? 24th? Yep. Yeah. I think 8:30 when that starts. Um, that's rough. They'll probably have, to have a quick turnaround to that. Um, Whoever wins. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so Creighton wins by 12 tonight in a chaotic one. Um, a lot of ebb and flow to this one. A lot of physicality, a lot of pace, <laughs> a lot of booing. <laughs> um, that's but a- it was a fun game to watch, a uh, fun game to just take in, uh, especially on the court. Uh, energy was great in the building. I thought both teams played hard. Um, but ultimately, we're here to break down how Creighton got the win um, and what they did along the way to uh, stifle Memphis's run after they had built a sizable lead early in the second half. Um, and John, Lewis, I'll let you kick it off uh, with your just surface-level analysis on how right. Creighton got the job done tonight. Well, I mean, just talking
1: to some of the a couple of the players in the press conference afterward, seemed like. Poise and composure were the, the key words, even though it looked like they had lost that. Yeah, <laughs> and they probably did, honestly. Um, I think there was a, it was a nine possession stretch where they turned it over seven times, and they turned it over five times in a row
0: at the end of that stretch. That's almost unbelievable to even say it out loud, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and all, and I think that two possessions where well, they didn't turn it over, they were missed shots. So it was nine possessions without points. Suddenly that 17-point lead was down to two. Mm. And I remember the timeout was called, uh, like a media timeout or whatever. I think it was on Martins' Fourth offensive, foul, foul, offensive, foul, offensive yeah. foul Yeah. And Memphis's players were like <coughs> bouncing their way to the to the bench as the fans are booing. You know, Creighton's players are trying to huddle to figure things out. and um, And Memphis' guys are like I mean, they're having a blast is like exactly what they wanted to create that kind of chaos i feel like and they had done that for four plus minutes mm-hmm. and so it was up to creighton to figure out how to how to respond to that and i think i mean from an X's and an o standpoint they did a couple things different greg mcdermott talked about trying to space the floor a little bit more and not have as many guys run to the basketball yes and I think and we saw them practicing that yesterday too. Right. So. And then I think they, they talked about um, <coughs> just being more calm when you had the ball. Mm-hmm. So if you get if you poison the noise, right. <laughs> yeah. But when you didn't have the ball, you still you had to move, change speeds, um, play fast. I think Marcus Czerwoszki phrased it as you, you play slow with the ball and play fast without it. So you're just trying to.
0: Um, love the way he phrases things, too, doesn't he? Right. Sorry to get on tangent, but like, No, I, th- I mean, he, I yeah. just think he has such a crazy, advanced mind for the game. Um, right. And understands it to a level that probably most guys at his stage in his career don't. But, but Memphis is... Like, their press was...
1: Really some, active. <laughs> yeah. It was mm-hmm. really I mean, active. it was after makes and misses. And, right. And even when Creighton got the ball past half court, like, a lot of times you think a team's just going to... Ease up, and Memphis didn't. I mean, if 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 the ball stuck or the ball handler slowed up at all, all of a sudden he's getting swarmed by two, maybe even three defenders, and it was a lot for Creighton to handle. And I think. Um, Tyshon got fouled twice, right? And he only he only went two or four from the line, but I think that. Allowed the Jays to just sort of take a deep breath, and they got stops on the other end too, which was which was important um, to sort of back Memphis off just a little bit,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then things started going in their favor. But the players talked about kind of repeating some of the same things they talked about in practice, um, just fundamental things, and and obviously avoiding getting caught up in the moment. I like I was caught up in that moment where where the crowd was. Was booing, and you're thinking, man, like everything seems like it's turning against Creighton yeah, like right I'm now, right? You know I mean? And the like, calls are there. There are a couple <laughs> bad calls in there, but there are also just a couple borderline calls. Well, and sometimes those calls they favor the team that's more aggressive, mm-hmm. and Memphis was more aggressive, and so um,
0: yeah. You made, just, you made a good point during that that because when Memphis cut it to two. In the stretch you're talking about here, it was, you know, there was probably a minute and change left before the 10 minute mark when the fouls reset. So, you know, Memphis was, for about a four or five minute stretch, they were really aggressive because, you know, they hadn't, Creighton wasn't in the bonus yet and they could afford to take some chances. Now, you know, getting three guys fouled out of the game, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think maybe that's a mismanagement on maybe their coaching staff's part to not. Be more aware of their guys being in foul trouble right. that were trying to get you back in the game because I think a couple of them fell out with like eight minutes left. Mm-hmm. So, um, but wouldn't you? Yeah, what, so like then, then then it resets again and Memphis could like you were you were wondering like first of all can Memphis sustain this level of pressure without wearing themselves out and the answer was no. by The way. answer was no. Yeah. yeah, but the foul reset also benefits them. Should they need that tactic to, I, to need to need just like go to that well because they won't be putting Creighton at the foul line for the rest of the ten minutes of the game in a normal college basketball game you would in this one you have almost two ten minute windows just be as aggressive as you need to be to get yourself back in the game
1: yeah um, it felt like praying got hit with a wave tidal wave. It and, it, and it felt like another one was going to come because of the foul reset. I thought. Right. And and you know you get a Memphis gets you get the timeout you you rest up and then you come back and hit Creighton again. But I don't think I don't know. I, I feel like the Tigers they obviously expelled a lot of energy to try to get that game. They back got in really in. tired. And then and then a couple guys fouled out. Yeah. So you key guys. Right. You lost some depth yeah. there. And and Creighton settled down. So there was kind of a combination of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I think you commend the Creighton players for maintaining their poise. Memphis's guys probably got a little bit tired, and so they weren't able to keep the uh, the intensity up as high and the tenacity up as high.
0: But I mean, I I wonder. I just don't think as bad as as much as Memphis was was changing the complexion of the game defensively. They weren't they weren't chipping away enough. You know, like it felt like that stretch maybe should have resulted in Memphis having the lead. But the fact that Creighton was still up six to eight points at the end of it was probably pretty demoralizing for them because they had expended so much energy yeah. and it only cut the lead in half. You know what I mean? So that's how Creighton kind of... I mean, the fact that Creighton was able to execute just enough towards the tail end of that of that stretch uh, to keep uh, you know, Memphis oh, yeah, at like, arms length.
1: Look, look at this. like During that stretch where Creighton... Um, I said earlier that Creighton had two possessions where he didn't turn, over, turn the ball over and yeah. it missed two shots. One, of, They actually made one of those shots. <coughs> so they, they had two points during the, during the run. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was like 17-2. Memphis scored on 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 8 of 9 possessions during that strike. I mean, I feel like they did as much as they could. Certainly, right. it's a little bit demoralizing that you don't have the lead. Is that what you're saying? Like, it just uh, stops short? Yes, because, okay.
0: because what Memphis was scoring there was twos. They weren't ever hitting. They, went, yeah. they went one from here three in the second half. So, a nine-position stretch where they're causing as much havoc as they are, especially with turnovers being, you know, throwaways or live ball situations, They didn't. they didn't take enough mm. of that lead away. Mm. You know, they felt pretty good at that. The mark you mentioned where Martin picked up his fourth foul and Memphis was really juiced up. It's like eight minutes left. The under-eight timeout. And they were down still down two. four. So. Oh, they no, ended no, down two. No, they scored in the next possession. Oh, that. okay, my
1: but, bad.
0: Um, so they were down four, then they scored, and then, I, you know, Tyshawn. It, it wasn't was the, the under-eight, it was, it was the under-twelve. Yeah, under-twelve. Yeah, yeah. under, under Tyshawn um, split those two strips of the free-throw line, and Christian Bishop got a steal and a bucket, and I think he had another bucket in that stretch, too. He was instrumental during that. Dur- him and in, in, in terms of getting Creighton back in control of the yeah. game,
1: him Fine. and uh, Connor Cashel, I feel like, were the two sort of X factors. Studying
0: forces. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Christian's
1: ability to make layups inside and, and kind of make Memphis pay for switching as many screens as it did. Yep. And then Connor's ability to just, I don't know, inbound the ball and make good decisions if he, if he was the uh, the release valve for the press mm-hmm. I feel like there were a couple of situations where he got the ball at the free throw line and had to make a decision do I pull it out do I attack do I take this open jumper mm-hmm. do I try to feed Christian and I feel like there were like three or four plays in a row where he made the right he
0: had a ball. couple of those pull up mid range jumpers just inside the free throw line area um, even had a dunk his first dunk that I've ever seen him have in, in college I think yeah really yeah oh okay first and last maybe does he have one more enemy? Uh, I don't know. That probably hurt coming down. It's possible. He's I mean, a he's lot of college there. basketball. He's he up there.
1: Um, his teammates really enjoy, I mean, I, I feel like there was a stoppage of Play right after that, and Tyson like went up to him and was like, Is that a dunk? <laughs>
0: yeah. Like the two greatest individual moments in the arena's history are Doug's three thousandth point and then Connor Cash dunking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Stop the play, give him the ball. Um They should have good. No, I but I agree with you that they were both really, like, calm, steady Eddie types stirring, especially for a Christian to be one of those guys, because you wouldn't really, I don't know, if I would get down the whole roster before I would pick him to be a guy that's a calming presence. on and, like, and he, he made and a couple of a, mistakes before that, he did, too. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: for him to flip he the He found switch. himself
0: in a press break where he was one on just open, yeah. open range, went essentially. Yeah, one a little bit too far. Yeah, he, bit too far. <laughs> he ended up getting a tie up and went to Memphis, but I, his activity level was, was crazy uh, all night long. I mean, and really this whole NIT, I think this is kind of turning into a Kyrie Thomas 2.0 situation where he's just taking full advantage of these extra games, these extra practices, and he's really taking it to a new level with his game. And I know what comes with that is um, the reaction of, like, why wasn't wasn't this an option earlier in the season when when they could have maybe put themselves in a tournament by winning some of those close games, but I don't know. Hindsight's easy to make that analysis. I think he's playing on a different level now and that he wasn't playing that earlier in the year. And I think this is just a way for him to showcase it and build confidence. I don't know if you can necessarily look back. I think it's about looking forward with him because you see a lot of potential, especially from a versatility standpoint because not a lot of fives can play like him. I know he's a little bit undersized at six seven, but he also has some physicality to his game. He's very athletic. He runs the floor really well. Uh, he's really good defensive rebounder. He's a good, he's good defender if he's, you know, if he can get in the right spot and he's good at walling up and blocking shots. Oh my gosh, and, yeah, you know, yeah. So I, really I, I think he has a huge uh, ceiling in terms of how he can impact a game, especially in this system, where having a five that can run the floor and put pressure on the rim um, can be a really big advantage, especially with teams that still have more traditional big lineups. They don't really. Have a counter for that. Even Memphis tonight had to go small. Not even, before they were even in foul trouble, they had yeah. to go small. And that's kind of how Creighton was able to control the glass, was because Christian and Martine were able to handle their individual battles um, in that regard. And Memphis' the small lineup had no chance to really affect the game because they were doing a good job of it early, I thought, with, despite um, missing some shots, they were able to get some second chance opportunities. And that was a concern had, coming in. I
1: think they had uh, four offensive boards in the first ten minutes, mm-hmm. and that was eight hands points. And they got two offensive boards the rest of the game. Yeah. So um, Creighton did a decent job blocking out, but you asked Coach Hardaway after the game about it, and he was like, yeah, we had to play small, and our smaller guys just aren't as good at crashing the glass as our mm-hmm. bigger guys. So.
0: And I think playing small is because you, one, you're down big, so you have to put a lineup in that can create some havoc defensively. Yeah. Uh, And two, Creighton runs a lot, so you have to kind of, and they play a small lineup, so you have to match them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's this was a game where it was an example of where Creighton dictated the matchups on the floor, based on the style of the game that needed to be played. Because Memphis found themselves in a hole. Uh, You know they were down 17 and a few points in the second half, and had to put a more, you know, just a more ball pressure oriented defense out there. And that was a smaller lineup. That was a lineup that couldn't. Bully Creighton in, inside, bully them on the glass. I think Creighton ended up with more points in the paint. Yeah, forty-two to thirty-six. So yeah, I just think it turned into Creighton's style of the game. Even though Memphis is comfortable playing up tempo, they never they weren't really in control and dictating the pace. They were trying to, but they ended up wearing themselves out trying to play catch up. I think. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, do you have any thoughts on Christian's uh, maybe his uh, performance so far in the NIT tonight and? The other night against Loyola in limited minutes. Just
1: my to... thoughts on Christian. Um, I mean, I feel like he say, summed it up pretty good. I don't know if I have anything
0: different to add. I mean, he's because you were kind of wondering with him if he had if it, if he, if he had turned the corner in terms of his comfort level. Um, He's not used to answering those questions yet. Maybe he'll get better as an interviewee as he gets in his career. But at, do you see anything in terms of his comfort level that, look, that he looks like a different player than maybe a month ago or a month I, and a half I just feel ago? like he's
1: in a better spot defensively more often. Mm. Don't you think that in, early in the year he was kind of putting himself in a bad spot, maybe fouling at times because he was out of position or just kind of late to react? But
0: One game we can highlight is the Marquette game on the road. I thought he was really good on the ball screens. The 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 hard hedges that mm-hmm. Martin is usually the guy at, right? I thought he did a good job doing that, right? Yeah. So that's one area. You know the other Ben's thing that's really impressive do.
1: about Christian is just he's a really good finisher yeah. at the rim.
0: Really nice touch around the basket. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Good feel for how to... He
0: has to catch hard ones. Like sometimes yeah. he's on the, you know, his back is turned and he's under the basket Like so he has to reverse layup. Like yeah. He's got really good feel and touch around the basket, I think. Um, Mitch Ballard got going. I think probably helped them build that lead because he um, had four points at halftime. And they had eight points in the first four minutes, first three minutes. A couple whatever. threes in that uh, short bank. The, oh, yeah. after Yeah, the, short jumper bang, mm-hmm. banked it in. He's good at that a shot, too. He practices that mm-hmm. a lot. Like yeah. I'm surprised range. he doesn't shoot that more. I know. That yeah. little pull-up off the glass. Yeah. He's really good at that.
1: I mean, he went behind the back at midcourt and then <laughs> went over, over his head. To Marcus for a wide open three too that yeah. would have popped the
0: ceiling off of mm-hmm. the roof off this building
1: because yeah. that was it, the crowd was already sort of buzzing when mm-hmm. he did that which mm-hmm. went
0: I think but I thought that was a key stretch because that put Creighton into a huge It gave him the it gave him a huge advantage because yeah. it had Memphis maybe and honestly, gone to their more chaotic I think, press well, I think like a ten point if, game
1: well yeah and I think Memphis ideally would have liked to wait would have liked to wait because the thing he, is you can't you can't do that. All out, gas to the period. floor. Right. Um, I said someone stuck a brick
0: on the gas on the gas pedal <laughs> in right. the of the car. Yeah,
1: you can't do that for 40 minutes for sure. You certainly can't. You can't even do it for 20. Right. So you have to kind of pick your spots. And I think Memphis had been down 10 with like five minutes left. Like that's the ideal time to really turn it up. Mm-hmm. You're kind of just holding it in your back pocket. I think if you're Coach Hardaway, like, okay, when are we going to use this? When are we going to really get after this team? And they were down 17. I mean, it was now or never. They mm-hmm. had to go. It was going to get worse, right. Pre- yeah. Right, so um, <clears throat> I think if, if if Memphis would have been able to keep it within 10, 8 to 10 until they're, like I said, five, six minutes left, then, then it hits with a by ratcheting up that intensity, and and, and maybe it's, the outcome's
0: different. Totally agree. Um, Jeremiah Martin, I'm trying to pull up his game log here because – uh, here we go. So, not you know he's a thirty-five percent three-point shooter this year. So it's not like he's a sniper, but he fills it up. He gets downhill. He gets the free throw line a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Creighton held him. I mean, he only had three for three in twenty points. He had twenty points, think, but, he only, he think, though, average, but he only got the free throw line three. I know. Times. I
1: feel like he didn't get a couple calls though. I think he he probably. Deserved a couple more mm-hmm. trips to the free-the-line than it did get, but I do agree that Craig did a, a good job. Of well, specifically,
0: that. I think Tyshawn and Davion yeah. did a good job of keeping him in front and not giving him angles to get, you know, on, whether on their hip and whether, whether they force a ref to make a 50-50 call. Mm-hmm. I thought they did a good job, for the most part, keeping him in front of them. And... You know, making him really have to force it to get downhill to the rim. He was so successful. I mean, I think they won the tap and he went right at Marcus like to kind of let you know this is what type of game it's going to be. Mm. I thought Memphis was – I was really impressed by the way Memphis, just the relentlessness with which when they got past half court with any type of momentum with the ball – it was straight to the rim. Whoever had it, mm-hmm. I mean, they just did a great job of attacking that. And they have
1: they have a lot of guys who can do it too. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of guys who can attack with the ball in their hands and go right downhill at the rim, right in your face, um, and finish. But yeah, Jeremiah Martin. I mean, he's so clever in the way that he can score. He's good. Like he gives if he if he they they try to post him up a lot because he's good there and. And I think that was a concern of Creighton of trying to keep the ball out of his hands in those spots, mm-hmm. um, because he is really he's really crafty. In um, if he gets the ball like within ten feet of the rim, he just finds either getting to the line or scoring. And
0: yeah,
1: yeah, you look at his game by game numbers over the last. Like, oh, it's unbelievable. He's, like I said, he's averaged 26 points a game since
0: February. And look at all these double-digit free-throw games, too. Mm-hmm. He's averaging, I think, on the year he's averaging seven and a half free-throws a game. But, you know, look at, like, Wichita State, he was 14-14, to Tulane 14, 12-15, UCF 11-12, Houston 12-14. I mean, that guy just lives at the free-throw line. Yeah. again, I, 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 I do think he I probably
1: mean. deserved a couple more whistles. But then again, it, this was a tough game to officiate for the refs. I don't think they did a great job no with it, but it was also it was difficult because It seemed how, like
0: it seemed like they had a like they were going through stretches where there was just a whistle on every possession and yeah. they were going through stretches just where there was just yeah. no whistles right. at all. Like, but it was a it was really yeah, physical. It was a game hard to give game to it, get a grip right?
1: on. Right and yeah. like Memphis was was I feel like Memphis's physicality and aggressiveness was like Evident on the perimeter, whereas yeah. Creighton, I think, tried to be really physical, physical inside, physical inside and, and challenge shots, wall up, use use the verticality rule to its advantage, mm-hmm. uh, fight for position for rebounds, obviously. Um, and and the Jays a lot of times when over the last month or so, like, they've kind of made it part of their DNA to really swipe at the ball, and when they help or double team, you know, they're they're going after the ball,
0: yeah,
1: and so. Um, when the ball gets entered into the post or someone's driving the defense collapses and Creighton's guards are really hunting that ball and swiping at it and so that can create fouls or no calls or whatever how <laughs> but it's just it puts the it it puts the onus on the official like are you gonna call every time that someone swipes? Yeah. And maybe they make contact with a hand, maybe they don't um
0: because just not you can't call it every time, right? No, that's what I'm saying. We, I think we and I had an exchange where someone said a moving screen, and
1: I was like, "That's a moving screen," but you were like, "I was like, it's, swallow the whistle because you could
0: call a moving screen yeah. every possession." Yeah. I think, yeah. So I was like, one of the, I yeah, I totally agree. That makes sense. But uh, it was a hard game to officiate. I mean, there were so many possessions first of all, and then the type of possession. How many possessions did it end up by the way? Um, I want to say 76.
1: I was, I was wondering if they were going to get to 80. Yep, 76. Ah, okay. That's still more than Creighton's had in the game, probably. Yeah. Surprise, <laughs> yeah,
0: maybe. Yeah. I mean, the Marquette game. the Green game, Bay game.
1: The Green Bay game was over 80. The Marquette game, I think, was maybe over 80. it was 80. 82, wasn't it? Yeah. Marquette was overtime. Yeah, right. So, right it doesn't yeah. count. I think the Providence game might have been around 70, 70 76, 75, 76. But, again, that was mm-hmm. overtime, too. So mm-hmm. might have been the highest possession game. Position game in regulation. In regulation, For, yeah, yeah. Both Gonzaga.
0: Uh, that's a good question. I don't remember. I'm gonna look it up. Okay, um, I'll just start with Marcus Sagaros because I thought if we're talking about a freshman, I thought he had one of his best games of the season. Um, you know, 14 points, eight assists, and you're talking about a Memphis team that was just absolutely in Creighton's face all night. Only pick- one, only one turnover in 37 minutes. Yeah, they
1: picked up the. I um, mean, they are guarding the ball at the opposite free throw line, right? yeah, like the, three the, quarter to four. The, sur- the
0: charge circle, yeah. right, from that point on, right. essentially. Um, for him to only have one turnover in 37 minutes, that's really impressive. Um, that, that is his turnover ratio, and you know. I mean, you look at the rest of the team. He had eight assists, one turnover. The rest of the team had nine assists and 14 turnovers. Mm. So, um, just a... And I wonder how much of it is just like him, because you know the cast is off, the pad is off. I wonder if he's just getting into just more comfortable with his hand and you know getting more right physically with his ball handling, and because it's starting to show a little bit yeah. just how confident he is with them. I mean he's he's coming up even before Memphis started the full court pressure, the trapping pressure, I should say. They were still checking him at about 80 feet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The whole game. The whole game. Yeah. And he, you know, he stayed calm. He stayed poised. He, you know, used the crossover, the in-and-out dribble a lot. Uh, I don't think he ever – I can't remember. Maybe I'm wrong, but correct me. Did he ever have, you know, the ball poked away? or? A couple
1: times, yeah. Like where, where – where, Not <laughs> not in a, in a precarious spot, but I mm. think they got their hand on him a couple times okay. where he had to sort of, like, reset. Okay. But,
0: but I thought he did a really good job of, you know, being strong with the ball. I feel uh, like he wasn't Careful here. with the ball. I don't think he was in a danger zone that I can yeah. remember. Because yeah. I, remember, I can remember, like, the St. John's game back in New York. When he, when he was healthy, like, several times he had to get on the floor to prevent a turnover. When they were, for like, right. for pokeaways and stuff like that. I think he's gotten a lot better at um, being strong, confident, calm, all in the same, you know. At the same time with the basketball and valuing that thing better. Mm-hmm. Um, did you think it was one of his best games of the year? Yeah, I did. And that big three before the half at the Buzzer. All right, that was mean, He was moment. juiced up. Yeah. I mean, he's starting to kind of come into his own in terms of the like, guy who just like the players can feed off of. Mm-hmm. You know, he's more vocal, uh, he's more demonstrative with his reactions to certain plays. Uh, and I thought him and Martine set the tone from the jump. The very first I thought so I thought Creighton had a, a little bit I thought Creighton was flat in their warm ups. I thought they were just Why do you think that? The they just looked too casual with their you know, with their drills and they weren't as like normally they're talking trash with each other and joking around. I didn't see as much of that as I saw against Loyola, so I thought they were just a little too casual and I was wondering if they were gonna be a little flat coming out of the gate and then Martin and Martine and Marcus are di- I mean then wins the jump, and Jeremiah Martin goes right at Marcus Zagorowski under the rim, and he almost forces a turnover. Yeah, right? he stripped him. Stripped him, but right. he was out of bounds when he caught it, yeah. so it would have been a turnover, um, or a steal. And so then later in that possession, because I don't think it changed possession. Right, it was yeah, still so, that possession. Yeah. So later in that possession, uh, I think it was Marcus who poked it away, and Martin came running in and dive on the floor, yeah. and then Marcus dove on the floor to rip it away. And I can't really throw it to Mitch, and then Mitch threw it to. Tyshawn, or is it the other way around? Tyshawn threw it to Mitch, right? Yeah, I think Mitch finished. Yeah, Mitch has the layup. Yeah. So yeah, m- m- yeah you know, Martin dies it. on the floor, Marcus dies on the floor, rips the ball away, throws it to Tyshawn, Tyshawn throws it to Mitch for the layup to start the game. I mean, all of that mm-hmm. chaos, that's a tone setting, because that got the crowd into it at a high level from the start. Uh, that got Creighton's whole team into it from the start. I thought that was a huge play, because I did think Creighton was a little flat in their warm-up. It's and interesting, then, so though, how
1: this team is sort of morphed, because... It's now starting to generate energy and um, momentum from its defense and its hustle and its effort mm-hmm. instead of relying solely from on... like a three-ball uh, or an alley three, some, I mean, yeah, they, yeah. they shot 6-22 from three today, and mm-hmm. honestly, it didn't even really they feel...
0: They were 11-19 from the line, too, so they yeah. weren't even really good. I mean, other than finishing around the basket, they weren't very good offensively at all.
1: It, so it just, it, you know, normally you're thinking about all the threes they miss... But that didn't even feel like it was part of the, game, the story mm-hmm. today because of the way that they had, um, I mean, really it was all about whether or not they could handle the press and then also defensively the tone they set. Like th- that, that, that play was huge that you talked about, mm-hmm. uh, first play of the game, and then there were more in the opening four minutes where guys were diving on the floor.
0: Yeah. I thought Tyshawn's activity level was really yeah. good. I think... He had a play where he... End line to end, end line. He was, saved defla- he was getting deflections defensively. He saved, he saved the ball in bounds. How many times? He ran into, like, the score table like, four Twice times. hard. Yeah, yeah, that's... I mean, good God. It's not like a car crash. Um... Uh, just, are dunks considered layups, too? Is that the same stat? Uh, no, I think you added up. Okay, so Creighton was 18-26 to 26 at the rim, then, essentially? Yeah, Is that that's probably, like, its best performance of the oh, year. I mean, it's got to be his best. <laughs> I mean, I would be shocked if there's a better. 14-22 um,
1: to 22 on layups and 4-4 four four on dunks. Yeah, yeah so, that like, that feels, yeah, that's yeah that's
0: that's kind of how Creighton won this game, because, like, they weren't good from the three-point line. Uh, they only hit two. Mitch's Mitch two threes to, to build the lead with the only threes of the half. Second half. Second half, yeah, sorry, not, sorry. Um... And like you said, six twenty-two for the game, eleven of nineteen from the line overall. So, you know that the, how effective they were around the rim, especially Christian Bishop, Tyshon Alexander. Um, I'm trying to think who else finished well around the rim. Mitch, I think Davion had some good. Davion couple in the lane. Paint. Yeah, and yeah. um, Connor. Connor the dunk. Connor the dunk. He had a layup too. Yeah. But even Damian Jefferson only played five minutes. He, uh, I think he had one possession where he kept the ball alive at the rim. Was really effective. Yeah, yeah, and he really fought pretty well. So I mean, across the board, they were really effective in the paint against a team that had some size and some length and some physicality too. So,
1: and they could block some shots because yeah, with their Mm -hmm. athleticism.
0: Speaking of block shots, Mitch pinned one against the backboard, Mm -hmm. and got another one on Chase down that he. I, I mean. It's so, it's tough that, it's too bad he got called for a foul on that, because he turned the ball over in a live ball situation, and then you could see him kind of like, as soccer players do, they curb their runs, you know, to make sure they're not offsides, so he like curves his run to get himself in position to be trailing the player with the ball, and like, I thought he timed that chase down perfectly. So did, I. did you think it was a foul?
1: No. Okay. I so didn't. yeah, and, and I, then when you saw the replay, it was like I don't think that he even made contact with him. Right. But it it looked pretty hard. It looked nasty because the player fell. Is it Harris? No I think
0: it might have been. What's what number Harris? I need him.
1: One. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. It was yeah. either one or two. I think it was Tyler Harris. Okay. Yeah, he went he went up, but then he fell hard, and mm-hmm. I think the refs just reacted to that, but. Mm-hmm. It looked like well, a nice play. Well, pinning one off
0: the backboard. That's you know, from, it's pretty sneaky at doing that, like sneaky hops, right? Yeah,
1: he got a he got Govan yes, coming over. From he the, did.
0: That was that that was side. a big block too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so he's kind of like up the we, block. we we you know what we can put like a super cut of Mitch Ballet blocks. That's true though. Together, right? Clem Watson, Jesse Govan, the pin block tonight. Mm-hmm. That's he's becoming kind of like a. Have to be careful, yeah.
1: I don't think he's going to pass Bishop. Bishop has some nice blocks, uh, yeah. some nice plays. He, he, yeah. And I think that he's going to have that reputation as sort of a rim protector. Christian will? Yeah, as, yeah. as his career goes on. Yeah. yeah, and if he and Jacob can play together, if Jacob could... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Because Jacob point. has a lot of natural insti- in- instincts mm-hmm. uh, defensively.
0: <clears throat> Let's see. Mitch has seven blocks this year, so we can we pretty much can remember all of them, right? Seven blocks in the season.
1: The highest among Christian. Oh, has, Tyson has nine. Christian, oh, okay. Christian has
0: fourteen. That feels about right. Yeah. I don't. Sam They're has a, Sam number. has eleven. I don't know. How, I don't believe that. One. <laughs> that's pretty good. So, Wait, yeah, what's um, the What's
1: the What's the best block of the year?
0: Hmm. Who did Tyshawn stuff in the DePaul game? Or the, not the DePaul game, Providence. Tyshawn, he, he had a chase down. like a, a, Him and Mitch both did. I Taishon's, think it was the Providence. Tyshawn's
1: chase down block against Seton Hall was nice. It yes. led to the game winning three. But <laughs> and it was after a turnover, but that was nice when he yeah. got a Quincy McKnight from behind.
0: Did he Mitch do? on Govan was a pretty big one. Mm. So it was Christian on Nate Watson in the first Providence game was a big one too.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I do remember Touch on getting a block from somebody running down. Did he get Alpha? No, I don't think it
0: was. I can't remember who he got. I think. I think one of our photographers had it on his. Last year, know,
1: last year I feel like it was either Davion on Phil Booth. That was a pretty nasty block, mm-hmm. or Ooh. or again. What did Davion get
0: this year? Just recently, Davion got somebody. Oh, he just got Marcus Towns. Remember, Marcus Towns beat him off the dribble. Oh yeah, got he downhill on him. That was nice. Like, got him at the rim. Yeah, yeah. Because so he got Phil Booth last year, but then Ballack got.
1: Glenn Watson. I, I don't know. It's probably going to be hard to beat that one.
0: It's going to be hard to beat the Glenn Watson one. I'm so, huge... Tyshawn
1: and Mitch got Jalen Butts. Okay. So, the DePaul game? Yeah. Is that, that, I don't That's know. both of them. I don't know. know. Who, who, who gets credit for that one?
0: I don't know. I might as well fit up in the live stats. I think we're,
1: we might have to give it... Mitch might like, get it two years in a row. Yeah. Is that is that was, because... So, Govan and is Watson, that like right? Is that like a six... It, what happens when like a six foot player dunks? You just give yes. them more credit. You have to, right? Yeah. So, Mitch I mean, it's, all, cause the it's always you know, have a
0: surprise factor, then the impact on the game yeah. that it has, right? So it's like, yeah. I mean, Mitch's block on Watson is in his highlight reel, right? So yes, it's that's. I think it's only blocking that highlight reel, right? Probably. So yeah,
1: that's definitely from last year. I'm so. a huge, I'm a huge fan of blocks, man. Like. Sure.
0: I like when they get, I like. Those, I like pinned against the glass blocks. You do? Yeah. Because that's like no. <laughs> it just it just has like a no to it when it's like stuck there. Divincenzo had a block
1: in the national title game last year. Where oh yeah, he, like it was a, a verticality block. Yes. two-hand block
0: that was yeah. like. Damn, I missed on Divin <laughs> Gosh.
1: But seriously, like mm-hmm. those. The, to me, that's like the best. I, I wish. Everyone talks about dunks and getting and someone dunking on somebody, and I'm like that. Yeah, that's a great play, but I would, I would take a block. Like stoning somebody at the rim over dunking on somebody, I think that that takes number one. It takes courage, yes, uh, a lot of confidence in your ability to get up, and then you know, skill to not foul, yeah, but play the ball. So, I think that's so that harder to do that. So I think
0: and, the nastiest one that you and I have seen, and maybe you can disagree, you can disagree if you want, but Mikael Bridges on Marcus Foster at the end of the regulation last year in Omaha, that thing was sent to half court. Oh yeah, he blocked when, that hard, and Marcus got to the rim too. So like yeah. it was. Like, yeah, it was but a that game one game-winning layup that he just sent into yeah. orbit. I but that was like that was tough though because uh
1: De, Dante DiVincenzo actually slid underneath Marcus and should have got called for a block right. on that play. So it's like oh, so it was a, you can't yeah. appreciate the whole. Thing I can't was appreciate as like, much. Like, okay, yeah, right, there's I no call you. foul on yeah. that play. I just like, know
0: when I, I was up in the hockey press box and, and I was like, the oh ball's like heading at your face. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I was like, holy cow, he sent that thing away. He was basically yeah. like, Marcus was like, oh, I got this game right here. And he's yeah. like, no, you do not. Right, right. Like, this is a, like, yeah, that was high-level stuff.
1: I mean, the best block of the year, though, was Kyle Kasselin on Tychon in the, in, in the Big East tournament yeah. Oh, yeah. against Creighton. Yeah. That was
0: a great play. Yeah. Um, that brings me to a question. I, wanted, I'm gonna, I was going to put a poll question out, but I wanted to ask you first. Uh, obviously a different perspective, but from a Creighton beat writer perspective, do you want... A, Creighton versus Nebraska, part two in Omaha. Or B, Creighton versus Savior, part two at MSG.
1: I can only, t- I can only pick one. I can only pick one. I've, Them's I've, the rules. All right, well, I would, I would take Creighton-Nebraska. You want that rematch? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, so for cool. storyline purposes. Oh, for sure. There's just so much interest so in, involved with that. Yeah. So, Plus,
0: if it happens in Omaha, I'm pretty sure the crowd is going to be a red zoo split. That's what I feel like. And, like, it would be a yeah. legitimate... Neutral site rivalry type mm-hmm. of game like that would be
1: the Creighton fans of seven thousand came in tonight, and they were really good they were really good, so, so it was the best
0: of it was the best of like creighton's home crowd was here tonight, yes because the energy was, was insane yeah. and the upper bowl was practically empty, right, yeah,
1: and so you bring those seven thousand with the you no know, encouraged and Excited Husker fans that feel good about the way their team has been playing of late. Yeah. And well, if both we, teams, both teams, yeah, right? I like, know, crazy. Think about the role that both teams are coming on, right? Yeah, and seven it, of eight. Nebraska right. will be five of six. I think that's right. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah.
1: If Nebraska can get it done, so I, I would take that. I think yeah. that that would be just incredibly compelling, and you know, you think about the NIT, and oh man, it's it's it's. A secondary tournament. It's a consolation prize. It's not near as good as the NCAA tournament. I get that all that. There would be that, a lot on the line for that. But that would be that would, be, I mean, that you're would
0: make, talking make about it like Miles's tenure probably on the line there. Mm-hmm. A trip to MSG for the winner. Uh, a Nebraska for Nebraska back and race to go two and zero in yeah, one yeah, season. Right. It's never happened in this rivalry. Uh-huh. Uh, for Creighton, it's a chance to avenge, ride avenge yeah. the the game. That they, you know. Their first road test of the year with a young team, like mm-hmm. to show their growth, if you will. Yep. There's just it's just endless. It's just endless. Yeah, I want
1: that. I want yeah. to see that. I do think that there's something to be said. Again, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here. But if Creighton, there now. That's But if were to win its next game and get to MSG, mm-hmm. like this team, the last two years at MSG has not performed. They've performed okay, but they've they've gone one and done in their last two Big East tournaments, and I think you have got a lot of guys on this roster who would feel like they want to right some wrongs at MSG when they get there. Mm-hmm. And so perhaps you can, and you can use it as a springboard to, um, you know, they're going to play in that arena more as players here. So the right. um, yeah, motivation there's, there's to a, get back there, yeah, regardless I think, of who's I, there. Right, I yes. think there is yeah. a motivation <laughs> for creating no matter what. But, <coughs> um, yeah, selfishly I'd like to see him point in Nebraska because I think that's would a lot
0: of fun. It would be a lot of fun. Um, I don't think we got a lot of questions tonight, but let's see. We got another Denzel Mahoney one. Um, so just for the sake of not having to go back through other podcasts, we don't know what his status is outside of officially, outside of personal issues. So um, that's all we know. That's all that we've been told. Is it's all we've been told. Yeah. Personal it's our, matter. Good call. That's <laughs> all we've been told. Um, but he's been he's been away from the. Uh, team since they got back from the road game at DePaul. So his, his last practice that he was at was the final scout before they left for Chicago. So that's the update um, in case you have missed it. But that was one of our questions tonight. Um, let's see. Uh, this one's from Jake Plachek. Plotsec? Either one. Sorry about that. Um, Is anything less than the Sweet 16 next year a disappointment if Martine comes back? First of all, Jake, how dare you? Um, Second, what do you think? Anything less than the Sweet 16 a disappointment next year? It's going to be
1: a disappointment if they don't get there, I'm sure. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. For me, it's hard. I guess – here's what I'll say. I do think at some point for this program, you do have to – Clips that get out. Get that monkey out of your back, yeah. But, and so I don't know if you <coughs> say, okay, well, this group, this core of Jays, at some point in their career, these guys have to be the ones that get it done. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's next year, maybe that's two years, whatever. But it is hard for me to set an expectation based on NCAA tournament results because, um, be yeah, it's so yeah. hard to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean what if Creighton wins the Big East again? It's hypothetical here. But what if Creighton won the Big East next year and then lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament? What would how would you feel about that? I don't like I don't to me that would feel like a success, successful season, but mm-hmm. it is hard to say. It's hard to make that judgment without actually being there in the moment and actually
0: yeah.
1: being able to kind of feel how um how things End up, but I do under like. It's really hard for me to. March matters a ton, but in my mind, I'm sitting here watching all these games unfold. It doesn't make any sense how things happen. Good coaches lose. Good teams lose when they shouldn't.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uncontrollables mm-hmm. in terms I mean, of projecting, that. right? And yeah.
1: but you would think inevitably, the more you get there, if like if you keep getting there eventually things are going to line up in your favor and you're going to hit a good day if you're, um, if you're in there enough. And you're gonna, things are going to line up and you'll make a run.
0: So, but I, I think don't know. W- they, See, because the question is if Martine comes back. So, because I think, first of all, I'm where you are, totally. That this group... This core, so Marcus, Tyshawn, Mitch, you know Davion, somewhere in there, like that group feels like if they don't get to a space sixteen before they're done as Creighton players, then it's a on. Un- There's no doubt about it. That's a disappointment. Yeah, yeah, right. So, but because the question asked if Martin comes back, he only has one year left. So his next year disappointment if Creighton doesn't get to space sixteen. I don't think so, because but when you, you look at but if, I think to it, a, I think sorry to interrupt, oh. but
1: I do think to a certain degree it will be like anytime you get into the NCAA tournament and you don't advance to the second weekend, mm-hmm. it's going to feel it's sure. going to hurt. It doesn't matter if you're an eleven seed or if you're a five seed; that's going to sting no matter what, and it's going to feel like a disappointment. Mm-hmm. But what does what the regular season look like? Maybe yeah. Creighton fans are tired of the regular season and they don't care, and they're just like, I mean, let's win kind of, in March. I think it's
0: kind of showing some of the crowds we've seen this year. I think they've just, they've seen, oh, it's a big game against Villanova. Oh, it's a big game against Marquette. Oh, it's a big game against Georgetown. Like, they kind of want a big game against someone in the second weekend of the yeah. tournament. And I understand that. So, it's just tough because I think, because I, cause I could see, if I say it, it is a disappointment now that I'm held to it because I don't know if I would feel that way if Martine comes back and this team is a, a you know is competing for a Big East title you know top two or three or four in the league um, wins a game or two at MSG gets to the tournament wins a game and loses in the second round I don't know if I would feel like that's a disappointment you know when I put all that together so I don't know if I can say that yes it would be right now because there's too much to there's too much to measure. When it comes time to, you know, assess it all, right. that right now I feel like could swing my answer either way in terms of yes or no. So I, I do, could I could see how it could be, I, and I can see I, how it couldn't. Right. Well, I'm like, yeah, sorry a, to be lot, on fence about yeah, it, yeah, but, I, know, I, but, but I, just, I think a
1: lot of Jays fans will probably view it as a disappointment. There's no doubt. Um, I don't set my I wouldn't set my expectations around NCAA tournament performance, but I understand how important it is to fans and from a program standpoint you know how many Sweet 16s you've been to matters how many final fours you've been to that matters that number matters even though March is insanely unpredictable
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean Mick Cronin right now is getting killed because his team's cannot perform in, in March. March.
0: Yeah, it's wild. And, then, and, and it's like almost a decade now. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I think he's made eight in a row or something, and they've never made one. So what is... Mm-hmm. I mean, so are we going to say that Mick Cronin's a terrible coach and, and, and Cincinnati needs to start things over? I right? think... Right. Like, no, yeah. you can't. Um, there's so much, much meat on the bone, right? It, like it doesn't, doesn't. Right, and it, it doesn't make too sense. And for, honestly, it honestly does not make sense, because right. they just won the... They just won the American mm-hmm. and um, they beat a Houston team that's seeded third. They showed their ability to ca- be capable of making a run. It, it was Cincinnati, the team that blew the big game. I mean, last year they were 22 on Nevada. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. Like, yeah, they should have put that, that one away. the stuff doesn't make sense. Yeah, it and it does, I mean, yeah. you can say, oh, yeah, it's the system, it's the coach. Sure, but then why now does Why it? are you
0: winning so many games yeah. to get yourself in <laughs> right. that
1: yeah. Exactly. It, yeah. it It is, March is. It's hard to assess sort of narratives and, and because people always say, like, well, Tom is a great coach in March, but you look at Michigan State has had some historic flops. Yeah, almost had tenure,
0: one yesterday. Right? Has, has lost to a fifteen before.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. and Coach K, his teams have gotten upset. Mercerly mm-hmm. uh, high. Yeah. Right. So it, it, I don't know, man. I, I've always said just get there. Get there as many times as you can, and, and eventually you'll, you'll break through. And, uh, and, and you'll do something you've never done before. But you have to, you do have to get there, and mm-hmm. so that's why. Um, I don't know. It's hard for me to place a to evaluate a program based on what they do in March. But then again, I, I, like again, I feel like I'm saying like straddling the fence here. But I. But I understand. People, I understand people why people do. Are, yeah. People people place so much of an emphasis on March. <coughs> that's what this sport is about. Mm-hmm. But it's it's such a uh, arbitrary way to look at it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if that makes sense. Bottom line is, yes, fans will be disappointed. <laughs> <There's no doubt.
0: laughs> and yeah. the players would be disappointed, Jake, too. Jake, you'll probably be disappointed. <laughs> I'm guessing since you asked that question, you feel That's like... That's where the it, expectation yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And honestly,
1: you know, maybe,
0: yeah... I don't. Remember, I don't think it's a problem for Creighton I'm, fans to set an expectation of a Sweet yeah. Sixteen since they haven't done it before. Yeah, but like it'd think be about, different if they were like, "Why haven't we won national titles yet?" And you never made yeah. the Sweet right. Sixteen. Like at least they're trying to walk before they run. So. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah,
1: but think about just to make a parallel to Creighton volleyball. <coughs> you know, they were talking about, "Oh, we got to get to the Final 4 i got they They'd never done that before. But I was like, you know, if you don't get to the Final Four, that's gonna it's gonna cast this huge sort of. Um, I don't know, you're just going to feel like you didn't reach your goal yeah. when you go to the NCAA tournament and anything
0: can happen. Because like to, to your point about that, they made the Sweet 16 as a road team that class as freshmen. They made the Elite Eight as a road team that class as freshmen. Then they hosted the next two years mm-hmm. with Final Four in mind as like yes. the goal we need to get to. We've been to the other ones and all that stuff. Like they were a day, they were a win away from playing Nebraska and Columbus in the final four. So then they hosted the next three rounds and didn't make it out of their own regional. Yeah. So, like, yeah, that thing went backwards and it felt like a disappointment at the end of it, but you still had to, like, when you wrap it all together, it was still a Swiss 16 and still an Elite Eight, still unprecedented success. Mm-hmm. It just went front to back, not mm-hmm. back to front, right. like, it went up and then down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, I, I agree with your point about
1: it's just a little hard to wrap your your mind and frame it around what one it's NCAA specific. tournament or bust, yes, like or whatever you do in the NCAA tournament, that's all that matters. Um, but I do get the I mean, dude, Creighton over the last twenty years. Yeah, this is your stat that you like. have yeah. you've committed to memory. It, it has made more NCAA tournaments without a Sweet 16 berth than any team in the country. Mm-hmm. It's up. I think it's like 12 NCAA tournament berths without a Sweet 16. Is there some kind appearance. of curse on the state? That's like I had this theory. Okay,
0: because so what, what would it be this. then?
1: Here's my listen to this like crazy, uh, obviously supernatural theory that makes no sense and it's not real. But
0: <laughs> as you undermine its credibility, then
1: it's going to oh, make it okay. worse. Yeah, I mean, Nebraska. you should
0: challenge curses like that.
1: True, There, there. We might have to go on some sort of like ghost hunters or myth busters. I have, I have time, uh, if you want run through in. the state because Nebraska, um, you know, had this perfect team that were at least a team that was NCAA tournament worthy and it all falls apart. Meanwhile, I mean, they've been in
0: the tournament as a three seed before and yeah, they still yeah, haven't right. won. Like,
1: Meanwhile, they had a coach who, uh, an assistant coach in Crick Smith who goes to Utah State and like wins the his conference and goes to the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. or is Creighton. You got Creighton who loses or has one of its assistant coaches go to the Missouri Valley. They didn't make the NCAA tournament, but uh, they won the league They're co-league champions. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. What's your what about, like, what's think about think about the transfers? Nebraska's lost a couple guys to transfer. Tomorrow, and um, Andrew White left early. Right didn't in. White didn't make the tournament, but no. Jacobson and Amaro left made the tournament. Did uh, White not
0: make a tournament with Syracuse? Did
1: he? Maybe he did. I, think I don't he think he did. I, yeah, might when was have... the last
0: time Syracuse missed the tournament? I thought they missed it in, in Oh, did they ground. miss it that year? Maybe they snuck in. Probably.
1: Um, then you got uh, Treshawn Thurman leaving, and then going to Nevada, they From made the UNL, tournament. yeah. Uh, they were a bucket away. Mike Dom. Uh, he, he didn't make the tournament, though. He made it three straight years, but he left the state, and, and then he... He made the tournament. He didn't win it. That's right. right. Yeah. But he made, he made the tournament. I don't know, man. There's just something about, like... There's something funky going on. <laughs>
0: there is. because, <laughs> like, even when the path clears, that looks like okay. There's nothing stopping. Like UNO, there was nothing stopping UNO, and then mm-hmm. North Dakota State all of a sudden was just whipping. Yeah. And then you know Creighton is like has two Big East finals. Um, even though they made the tournament in one of them or, two, or both of them, but like they, they K State last year without Dean Wade, and yeah. it never. I mean, it's on. It was on it was going backwards from the jump. Right. Um, it's, it's so weird. I don't, I mean, they have this final four dark horse team. Then Maurice Watson gets hurt. Nebraska has this speed 16 roster that a lot of people projected it to be. And then Copeland goes down, it goes sideways and all of a sudden, like they just couldn't handle the pressure of it. So yeah, it's crazy how, but I mean, even the 13, 14 Creighton team, like Doug has just an unbelievable, like a magical senior year. National media loves it. Creighton's first year in the Big East, They went Villanova twice. Uh, and then you know they 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 get past the first round and they get uh, probably an underseeded Baylor team in Texas, but just whipped. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like this, it was not even a game after halftime. Like it's silly. So it, it, there's yeah. a lot of like, dang. Well, it's silly. Close it, it, but not quite. It twice. is and it's sil- like wow. How did that not happen? It's kind
1: of silly. We're kind of joking around I'm saying a curse, but there is something to be said about like doing something that you've never done before, and sort of the. The pressure of... The pressure of that or the mentality that it takes to overcome a barrier. And I think all three <laughs> of the programs in the state have hit that wall mm-hmm. repeatedly, and they're not sure how to break through. And I don't know if it takes a certain uh, blend of mental fortitude or just overall talent. Maybe you just need a transcendent player to just say, put you on his back and Possibly. say, Let's go. Because um, it
0: might be one of these things where, like,
1: but then it but it it's starts like festering things. in the in your yeah. mind and like even if you're players and you haven't been here part of this program or you're not aware of the history when you come here you start understanding it like the players on, on this Creighton team know they know all about the fact that Creighton has never made a sweet 16 i mean they've talked about that mm-hmm. um, they may not have known that before they got to campus but you can't be a part of this program without Realizing that there's sort of a monkey on your back, same with same in Nebraska, and I'm sure that the same thing's going to happen at UNO now that it you know it's had two chances to get to the NCAA tournament, hasn't been able to. Like Mm. there is something I don't I don't know. I feel like I should go and look at some of these teams that do things that some like what is the form? There's probably no formula, but uh, maybe every team's different. But
0: well, the funny thing about it is like I think when. So right now it's Creighton's barriers, Speed Sixteen, they've never been there. Nebraska's barriers winning an NCAA tournament game, they've never done that. UNO's barriers making the tournament, yeah. they've never done that. So it's gonna be funny because when those teams break through those barriers, I think they're gonna sprint to like a uh, a point that not only had never been achieved before, but like beyond that. Like if Creighton makes the Speed Sixteen it wouldn't shock me if they win two more and go to the final four. If Nebraska wins the tournament game, it wouldn't shock me if they won another one and got to the second weekend. If UNO makes the tournament, it wouldn't shock me if they, you know, got there as a 14 or a 13 and upset somebody yeah. in the first round. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me if once the barriers are crossed, that's not the end. Right. You know what I mean? All and then it's all of a sudden like you alter your the, entire yeah, it's, trajectory. All you need yeah. is to
1: get past that wall and then suddenly it's just like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Like open, y- season. you got yeah. you got this key that you found a, finally found a way to turn it, and then like the whole wall World disappears. Yeah, yeah, it's good. like wow, this is mm-hmm. this is great. Um, but you know, nope, they haven't been able to do it. So
0: right. Uh, last question, Rob, Simms wants, Rob Sims wants to know any little penny sightings. First little of all, penny. it's little penny, not little penny. Yeah, little penny.
1: Little penny. Yeah. No, see, I didn't see any. No, how, how, but I watched some Little Penny commercials how last funny night. How funny would that have been if he just like, popped Had
0: a bobblehead popped up Pen, next Pen, to him. <laughs> Penny Hardaway sits down at the press
1: conference and is just like, boom. He just plops yeah. there. I will not be taking any questions, but Little Penny. <laughs> <Lil> Penny will.
0: <laughs> Little Penny, Penny has some attitude, too. Yeah, he does. We probably get a spicy press conference on Penny. Is that Chris Rock? Is that who did it? I feel like it, right? His voice? I, I, I think don't so. do like Yeah. It. No,
1: unfortunately, no. Penny the was good though. Days. I like Penny Hardaway and Memphis. I mean, I, I think see. that that program is definitely on the rise. I, I am curious because yeah, he's already bringing, won a
0: recruiting battle against Kentucky. I know, so but like he's, so he's bringing in, in
1: some talented dudes. I'm curious to see if he can get those guys to play as hard as we saw right. um, the, that veteran group, of mostly seniors, play tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it can be hard to get, you know, the. Top end recruits to play. You
0: talk about the buy-in with this group. Yes. Like in this group was a bunch of guys that were just desperate to win. Mm-hmm. So if they, they had never get, won.
1: Like I think did he say that Memphis hadn't made it? None of these guys made the post-season. postseason, and and so they had that fight to them. So if vegan can draw that out of the top buy-in end recruits, yeah. that will be something. Because that's hard to do. Like I think John Calipari has even struggled at times with it. Certainly Duke has struggled at times. Yeah, uh, they got a guy in Zion Williamson who's just like made differently, and he has it. He's like hardwired to <coughs> to do that. But um, I feel like he can be tough. But anyway,
0: I like Penn. I like Penny. I do too. Uh, I like. He was so. Uh, I love. I love how he shows up too. Because had you stayed a little fifteen minutes more after practice yesterday. You would have seen him coming down with. So they they came in from the concourse. So, like, there's, like, 20 dudes, and they all look the same. And he's coming down. He's got, like, the Beats headphones on. He's got a ball in his hand and a jumpsuit. I was like, who the hell is that from, like, 50 feet away? <laughs> right. And then, he, like, it wasn't until he was, like, about 20 feet away from me. I was like, oh, my God, that's Penny. Like, he looks like he the ball. Right. Like, he, like, showed up the hoop. I was like, okay. And then before the game, he was dressed the same way today. Like, got the hiked up uh, jumpsuit with the Red Sox. Yeah. Shoes untied. Like, Dude, he looks pretty to the ball still.
1: And he's so confident. Did you hear him? in the press conference he said something like yeah man now I've got a year under my belt I know the
0: college game you Uh, know what I thought that was pretty like endearing the way he talked about the growing that he did this year too mm -hmm. because I think not enough coaches are willing to open up like that they kind of just they put this aura out there that they've got the answers to all the questions Um, and you never see a coach kind of look Kind of give you a little bit of a vulnerable take like that, like look, I had to get my feet wet a little bit, and understand how to manage a college roster, and how to build it, and get guys to buy into what we want to do and stuff like that. And I think that was a pretty neat. Look into the growth that he had this year, not yeah. just his players. Yeah, and I, that's kind of why I have um, a little bit of faith in in what he's building there because if you. In any position, if you're able to be self-critical or self-giving yourself an honest assessment, where you can criticize yourself, I think that's good for growth. Right. So I thought that was pretty cool. Like where I haven't seen it is in some areas in the Big East. But by the we'll way, talk about that right now. I would like to see
1: Memphis and Crane play more. I think that'd be fun. There's two good, really that's, good fan bases. Yeah, um, I, I would imagine both teams could use a good non-conference game. Memphis. Probably doesn't need. I don't know. They they have, they have Tennessee that they can. They have a lot of schools down there that they yeah, can play. But like Kentucky, Tennessee. Yeah.
0: Anybody from the SEC. I feel Tennessee.
1: like they they are. Uh, um, I don't know if you if you need a home at home, but to me, it'd be a fun series, and yeah, I think for sure. I think, uh, I think that the programs kind of profile somewhat similarly, similar similarly. That's tough one. Yeah.
0: yeah. Simil- similarly. 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 You can't say that fast. Similarly. 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 Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, thanks for your questions. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for following our work. Uh, you know where to go. Whiteandbluereview.com. Omaha.com. Uh, buy a newspaper. John, great job on the, what should we call it? How do you We want to, like, quick title of that hoop right up, right up? Yeah, I called
1: it, I maybe, like, uh... The genesis of Hoop Dreams.
0: It's a little deep. Okay. But I like
1: it. Where Hoop Dreams me. began.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's good. Where, so,
1: where Hoop Dreams s- began, colon... No. I'll just stop there. Yeah. Where, where, Hoop, where Hoop Dreams began. Where Creighton, where where Creighton, Creighton, learned, learned, to Creighton
0: learned to let it fly. Creighton players were born Yeah. as basketball. No, but it's a really good story, if you haven't read it yet, on just... Is it every player on the roster? I, could remember I didn't count. I didn't talk count. to, I, I didn't I talk to everybody.
1: Some guys didn't really have a, an yeah. answer. And so I, I basically just asked each guy, like, hey, where? what, what basketball court did you hone your skills on? What where, What? place holds a special place uh, in your heart, I guess, um, you know, where the grind begins? And a lot of guys had some pretty cool stories about mm-hmm. just, you know, the the driveway court or the... YMCA, um, the park, wherever they, as kids sort of develop their love for the game and develop that gene to really kind of grind and get after it and pursue their dreams. So Mm -hmm. I thought it was cool just to hear different perspectives from different guys on, on that topic.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, you need to check that out if you haven't already. Um, and if it's, it's behind the paywall, right? Still, it's worth the subscription. Trust me. Um, So, yeah, we'll come, we'll do, if Creighton plays Nebraska, we'll have a podcast after that game, win or lose. Um, If they lose, it'll be end-of-season podcast. Uh, If they win, move on. Um, If they play at TCU, um, yeah, the podcast schedule will a little iffy, but we'll try to get you at least one more, regardless. Yeah, we can do an
1: end-of-the-season pod a couple days after that. Yeah. Because if if they play at night, it's going to be tough for me on the road.
0: Well, if they beat TCU, then they keep moving on. I'm just saying, like, we might not do one. Until the season's over, maybe. Okay. So, unless we both go to MSG, then um, we might do one from there, regardless. So, yeah, well, at least one more podcast. We promise you that.
1: I could drive to New York and podcast the whole way. Do it
0: live. Good Lord. I live. The whole way? <laughs> oh, my God. Let's uh, start writing down topics. Uh, all right, we spent two hours on this. Let's go. Um, so, yeah, but thanks for tuning in. As always, thanks for your questions, thanks for your comments, thanks for your feedback. Uh, Thanks for reading our work. Thanks for listening to this podcast. And we will talk to you at least one more time this season. Um, So, yeah, thank you. Have a good night.